it is my favorite to talk to broadcasters. I, uh, I, I love it because we speak the same language. More or less. <laughs> when did you want to become a broadcaster? How, how early did that start, Billy? Honestly, listening to, listening to really Joe Buck on Fox News as a kid, man, like, man, I, I really wish there was someone else. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this is as a kid. We just started right into the <laughs> Joe Buck slam. <laughs> this, this is oh, as man. a kid. Now, it did not take long. <laughs> no, but learning more as an adult and things like that, really further detailing how he talks, how he elaborates on things. Sometimes it's needed, sometimes it's not, but to make things more palatable for the more general audience. That's really the biggest thing. Listening to John Sterling as a kid, I was like, oh man, I, I love those funky, those super wild calls. And now it's like, okay, I understand. Yeah, it, It's more of a palatable audience for others. It's more of a, the, the shtick really works for both of those guys. But the broadcasting for me was just nothing completely nothing i i it was not even in the back of my mind it wasn't even a thought uh back when i was playing sports uh in high school always kept ankle injury after ankle injury uh and then the latest one was just at the beginning of my junior year at taconic and what happened was turn my ankle again oh it's another sprain like okay that well this doesn't feel like a sprain this feels like there's something else. So get a bunch of tests done, MRIs done. I had to wear the moon boot, you know, the moon boot sure. when like people break their feet and mm. everything like that. So I had to wear that. There goes my junior season. So playing, during playing baseball, football, actually, football, football, I was play a baseball? scrawny little kid. I was a scrawny kid, but I'd say I was uh, a very, very solid uh, man to start left bench. <laughs> very solid <laughs> uh i was i was definitely undersized i was maybe 125 130 uh five foot eight just like i am now five foot nine so very scrawny toothpick kid so <laughs> wide receiver keep rolling your ankle obviously it's not going to work well so you should have run track uh, less I'll, contact less Whatever. contact i digress but, i digress <laughs> a lot of rolling the ankles either way um while I was waiting uh, to see what was going on with my foot, uh, a buddy of mine, Shane Reed, uh, I've been friends with him for years. I consider him like a brother. Yeah. What ended up happening is he said, "Hey, man, you got to try, you got to try uh, TBR." I said, "Try what?" <laughs> he said, w WTBR, the radio station." <laughs> I looked at him and said, "Where's the radio station?" <laughs> <laughs> he brought me to the tombs of Taconic High School, the original Taconic High School right next to uh health tech i walk in there i love that we're all now old enough to call it oh the original the, Taconic high school the og, the OG. <laughs> i go in there and uh i see a man there with the most pristine mustache <laughs> that came straight out of the 70s but this one a little bit more on the gray or white side introduces himself as larry kratka and <laughs> it's interesting that the mustache was the prime feature that you focus the one on. I, I never... <laughs> so uh, Shane brings me in and Shane it's has great, it's a great mustache. That guy, <laughs> it, really is. it really is. Big shout out to you, Larry, on that. So uh, Shane brings me in and I didn't say this yet, but 
Shane has uh, muscular dystrophy and he has it more sure. primarily in his mouth and jaw. So he has a very heavy speech impediment. If you don't, if you don't know him, you don't understand him. Not at first. It takes a bit, but it's a, it's a learning curve with it. And I can, I can hear him now up and down left and right without issue. It's just a matter of understanding and learning how he speaks and radio for him was really a big help, especially like speech therapy. Hmm. Because if you're on air, you're talking, it allows him to open up a little bit more and speak. And again, the more speech you do, the more therapy it is. So it's a very healthy outlet for him. I go in the first time and he says, you got any interest? And I said, well, I'm not doing anything else. I, I'd rather do something. <laughs> I've always been a busybody. So um, he brings me on the side, uh, side computer and he tells me, just say whatever comes to mind. Here's the opening song. Here's a closing stop, uh, song. And uh, we do voice track. And he said that I hit it out of the park. But of course, <laughs> thinking of it now, it's hilarious. The, the, fir <laughs> the very first thing he said, he said, great kid. You got a perfect face for radio. And I thought, okay, thanks. And then when I'm going home, my mother, I'm like, what? <laughs> the joke didn't hit me the, up until then. The greatest compliment uh in the history uh that and i i actually interesting because i would see shane all the time uh in the studio and and interesting to me also is that your interest didn't necessarily start when you were a little you, you know you listened to it but you weren't the the kid you know turning the volume down on the tv and and doing the play-by-play -play like that i mean you hear those stories uh as well so it kind of came later to you it definitely did. Um, when that all happens, um, he said, okay, well, when do you want to start? I said, start what? He said, start having a show. I'm like, well, that's quick. Um, <laughs> so he said, well, why don't we do this? We'll do a week of voice track and then we'll, we'll see how you progress. So I do voice tracking and just everything's coming to me not pretty naturally. I was always a pretty tech savvy kid. And every time that I kept hearing myself, and I heard you with Jim, by the way, I'm the same way. I hate listening to myself, <laughs> especially as a kid. I'm like, I don't want to hear no squeaker voice. I don't want to hear anything like that. So um, I, I, I pushed through it. And then after a week, I said, you know what? I'd, I'd, rather, not, I'd rather not listen to myself. I'd, I'd rather go live. I, I feel comfortable enough with that because... I barely have any shame. If I mess up, I roll with it. And I'm, I'm laughing at myself just as well as everyone else. Uh, so, well, that's an interesting dichotomy. You have no problem going live, but you have a problem listening to yourself later. That's interesting. <laughs> it's it's a it's a weird. Well, it's me. I mean, people so. are very. I mean, you know, even with the podcast, people ask me, "Well, are, are we going live?" They really nervous about that. And, you know, of course, we're not live anymore. I used to be live, probably will go live once again. But at the end of the day, um, you'd prefer to do a podcast and not have to post edit. <laughs> so <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, you know, people ought to be like, yeah, it is. It is live. Uh, I hope they think of it that way, because, you know, it's not situation where you have to go back and, and post edit everything when when you you know when you quote unquote screw up but well in any broadcast there's always screwing up whether it's very small or very major but again it comes to the territory that we're all human so there's there's never been an issue with me and a friend of mine he said that if you don't cringe 
at your earlier self and some things you've done, you have no character progression whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> or you just have a whole mountain of self-confidence uh, <laughs> that is impenetrable. <laughs> I, I I couldn't imagine that. But I, at the end of the day, I, I've learned, especially the hard way after doing this for so many years, that you got to understand you're human. You are going to screw up. There's going to be times where you're perfectly fine. But at the end of the day, it's all about the the unfathomable goal of being perfect there the unreachable goal of being perfect no one's ever going to be perfect everyone's always human they're always going to make mistakes and it happens we're all human so yeah, that's and, perfect and i found and i do find that play-by-play announcers perhaps the best understand when not to say something as much as they know when it is time to say something and I think that's really important and and maybe part of the, I don't know if that's the Joe Buck lesson or I, you know, I mean, there's, and I don't know, I never see, I don't have the problem that other people have with Joe Buck. I, I never saw it. I think he's fine. I enjoy listening. I, I'm strange, I guess. I don't know. No, no. Now you're fine because you understand. I was a kid and I thought that, but as an adult, seeing what he did and how he progressed. I see why he needed to do those things, and I see why he didn't need to do a few things. Mm. And that's what I take well, from what, what, Okay, let's let's micro micromanage Joe Buck. So, what are the major complaints uh, for the Joe Buck style? As a kid, hearing the most <laughs> obvious, the most obvious calls there, saying, "Oh, they need a hit here. Their night's over. It's bottom of the ninth. Two outs." <laughs> <laughs> You don't say. <laughs> uh, I I always thought of that, but then again, later understanding that for some people it doesn't come that quick, that naturally. And again, it's all about the majority audience. You're never gonna have everyone think the same thing, right? Well, if you're in uh, Game Seven of the World Series, generally speaking, you will have more novices, as it were listening and watching the game so you have to set the stage in a more obvious way very true is that is that is that okay so that's one of the knocks on him that was the, or is that the knock that was the knock i had <laughs> as a kid but now understanding it's 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 more of a you can say that oh he got his job for his father look at him can you do what he does maybe not Maybe he was given that role. Maybe it is because he knows someone, but he's used that to grow and progress. Or was it the fact that he was Jack Buck's son that kind of like, I mean, I don't know, uh, Ken Griffey Jr. You could say that, well, he had some advantages, but he also grew up playing baseball and throwing the ball around with his famous great baseball player dad, you know? So, I mean, I don't know. It's it, 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 There's nature and there's nurture, right? There always is. And whether you steer the moment from your father like Griffey Jr. did with his father with that outfield fly, <laughs> that, that'll depend. But the, the way that he has really honed his craft as I'm growing up and listening to him, I, I would say his father's probably damn proud. I would definitely say that the way that he has used his opportunity and not taken advantage of it, but used it to utilize, grow, hone his craft do better and be better. I see no shame with it. All right. So end of the micro analysis of <laughs> Joe Buck, uh, just because he just, 
draws this controversy as and and people who know play by play and I say and of course play by play in radio is much different than play by play in TV because when you see it then it's really important to sort of leave that out and actually I think originally Jack Buck may have been more um, though people would criticize him and this is going back this is probably before your time would be more critical of him because when you come from that generation, most of those guys, and they were all guys back mm-hmm. then, um, they were radio first before they went to TV. So the Vin Scullys and, and that sort of yes. thing, those guys, they, they did radio. And so when they went to TV, they probably were in the habit of describing every little piece that didn't necessarily have to be described when it's on TV, but you do radio. Well, and are you doing TV too? Is it is it like a it's a simulcast, simulcast as much of a simulcast as we can with it scaled back? But sure. we'll talk about that, of course. But anyway, but, 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 but <laughs> case being big difference between a radio play by play and is, a TV play by play. It is mountain and molehill. It is very very different. It doesn't look it initially, but it is two very different beasts, and it really is one. You have the the visual to back up what you're saying. The other one, you have to detail it as much as possible in order to project the story that you're telling of what you're saying on the field. And that's for radio. It is much more detail oriented with TV. You have the visual to back up your audio. You do not want to overcompensate with audio for TV. If you do that, it's kind of oversaturating. There's too much information at one time. It makes it a little difficult. Mm. But going back and again, the whole thing of knowing when to say nothing <laughs> and and when to say something, um, you know, in some in some of those key moments are, hey, the last out of the World Series. There it is. It's over. And then you just stop talking because you allow the moment to be witnessed. You uh, allow the moment to build. Um I love the I love the call from uh, Meatloaf, uh, "Paradise by the Dashboard Light." <laughs> uh, the Phil Rizzuto. It yes, uh, it, yeah, it yeah. allows the moment to build up. But I've used I've used clips like that in my head too. Let's say if it's a very I love this phrase pressure cooker. By the way, I have Olive Garden chicken pasta in my crock pot at home right now that my wife's All watching. Right. That's what I have going home to me. But I love the <laughs> phrase pressure cooker because. Really, it is in a vacuum, a very, very pressurized situation on all fronts. It is bottom of the ninth, bases loaded, uh, two outs, you're down by one. You don't say anything except slow, articulate sentences. You allow the microphone for the crowd to pick up how the crowd is projecting it. You're allowing your atmosphere to build that moment. That is something that you shouldn't be building just by yourself. You should allow the moment to come to you, but don't over and supersede that moment as yourself. As Mm. broadcasters, it's our job to not say, hey, let me tell you about the baseball game. It's, hey, allow me to detail this game for you. It's You have to take yourself out of the equation with it. Now make it too personal because at the end of the day, you're not there for you. You are there for everyone else. You're there to make sure that everyone understands what's going on. But again, taking yourself away from it, but just describing it, you're detailing the game, not, not you. So you have to 
truly take yourself away from it. Don't put a lot of ego into it or don't put any at all. I hate having an ego or anything like that. So I always, I'm always very laid back. I, I don't do a lot of like, of, hey, hey, I've done this or hey, I've done that. I'm not a personal guy in that matter. I'm not a personal goal setter. I'm more of a people pleaser, more of making sure that everyone is okay before myself, whether it is baseball and radio, whether it's work, whether it's family and friends, anything of the sort. I'm always a, I'm last. Is everyone else doing okay? And I, I think really a lot of that had to do with both Shane and Larry starting with TBR. Hmm. That's interesting. It's a, it's a very weird approach. Again, that's why I don't like listening to myself. I can critique myself and I'm perfectly fine with that. But just hearing myself and thinking, oh, okay, I, I did a good job here, things like that. I don't want to overanalyze it. What I want to do is I want to listen to others, see how they speak, see how they refer to this item or that item. Anything where I'm able to draw any sort of learning moment from others, I want to absorb that as much as possible for me to utilize that, if that makes sense. What is so is the primary uh, focus of the play by play? Is it's radio primarily, and then yes. and okay. So anytime you're simulcasting, whether it's radio and TV or radio and any other third party, of course, right? Yeah. You speak radio, right? And right. unfortunately, again, we'll get to this later with <laughs> well, our we simulcast. We, we can get to it now. So uh, what's so the challenges there? What are the challenges? The challenges are <laughs> sun. <laughs> the sun. The challenges are the sun. Uh, the camera picks up nothing but the giant orb in the sky. <laughs> um, well, you know what would fix that? If they put a camera out in center field, that'd be, that, yeah. that would be helpful. But I'm not, I'm not telling anybody how to do their job. But uh, I don't know if they can. I mean, I assume that they could put one out there. No. <laughs> they, could, they could if the production was there. And just because of everything going on the past number of years. It's not going to get there, but it leads me to the future of something that I, I really, I'm really looking forward to as well, because I heard you uh, speaking with Jim uh, again. I said this off air. I'll say it now. I'm not a podcast guy and I haven't listened to one um, until you asked me to come on your podcast. Sure. So I said, okay, what, what should I do? Uh, okay. I'll, I'll listen to a few. Uh, I've heard Jim. I've heard uh, Tariq. I work with him with a side job uh amazing person by the way but um jim uh, he was worried about oh um you know there might be tearing the whole thing down and building you know a parking lot or uh they're probably going to turn it east so that way it doesn't face west anymore just like samlin ballpark yeah he said he hoped they hope that they don't do that and, and which they're not yeah I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't think so no with the um historical society with the registration it's got to stay west more or less and the whole um, Wakona Park Restoration Committee that just got appointed about like a week or two ago, they are going to be meeting, I think it's on Thursday, but it's just like an introduction preliminary. Sure. To my understanding of how this will go, the only way that Wakona Park can get restored is if it's 85% to the original map plan, uh, including the grandstands. So for the most part, I think pretty sure the grandstands are going to be more or less the same the ballpark fence dimensions everything probably going to stay the same i say that with 
95%. I would say that would be my that would be my number. But ballpark is going to stay west. I'm almost certain of that. Um, the only real thing that I want them to change is a bigger press box. And that's just, a, that's my <laughs> one selfish thing. If, well, those press boxes are great uh, in other minor league ballparks. Oh, I've, I've, I've experienced those. Uh, and, I, and I'm saying minor league, well, you know, uh, futures league. The, the, I assume yeah. they're similar in other towns where the futures league and other collegiate uh, leagues are, are, are played. Um, so, but, you know, just to, just to cover it as a catch-all minor league ballparks, uh, those really uh, just outpace Wakona park by mm. uh, decades because, you know, even the fields that were being built probably in the eighties and nineties were far superior as far as the amenities go uh, <laughs> compared to Wakona park, which was built the, the grandstand was built in, I believe, the 50s, is from what I About understand. About the 50s, yeah. yeah. But yeah. Um, no, and the, the main reason for the grandstands the way they are right now, it's just age. That's mm. that's all it is where it's beyond repair and it's probably cost more to actually salvage it and just renovate than just tear it down and build it. It's not yeah. like the ballpark's going to go away. It's nationally registered with a historical society. So that's going to stay put. It facing west, I, I I would I would bet money that it's staying west. Right, it, there I would mean, be no way for it to turn. Right, east. there's a certain tradition there, and I think people like the sun delay, even though. It's, but at the same time, well, you don't, uh, and you also don't like the big orb that covers up the, uh, for, at least until whatever the sun actually fully goes down. Seven thirty-eight ish, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that that that's a thing. I would hope that, as I said to Jim, most important no matter what happens or whatever uh, we collectively as a community decide to do with it. And I'm sure everyone or most would agree that uh, some level of high quality baseball needs to be a part of the home of baseball, Pittsfield, Massachusetts, then let's do it relatively quickly and not be three or four years or five years out still trying to figure out what we're going to do, having grandstand unusable and having uh, bleachers out there. Let's get this done quickly. And of course, I'm sure the Suns are paying attention as well. <laughs> Very true. And I've, I've already talked to the ownership. I've talked with management. They, they don't want to leave. They 100% want to stay. The Gold Clangs, I think, owned the Pittsfield Mets way back in the, what was it, the 80s? into the 90s, 90s i think 90s yeah and then uh the Astros came for like one year and then a bunch of ball teams that will, i guess we can call ham and egg if you will <laughs> but yeah, uh, jim, jim was a little rougher on the, the poor black bears but um anyway that's, uh, that's a whole another conversation but uh but hey there's the colonials and, and the colonials actually made it to the championship and as a asterisk to that they made it to the championship that one year against a Canadian team. I don't ask me to the name. Quebec Capitals. Okay. The Capitals. And they ended up moving all of the games to Quebec because we were not able to draw. And just simply the league is out. They got to make their money. And so that was kind of a black eye on, on Pittsfield because we weren't able to host the championship games because we just weren't drawing enough people uh, to it, which was a bummer. Now that was the be all end all of the colonials as well. That was my first year actually in 2011. Mm. Um, going back to um, high school, 
Um, so the first week I did um, voice tracking, just recording. Hated it because I don't like listening to myself. Uh, second week I went live and I said, you know what? I I was always a 60s, 70s, 80s type kid when it came to music. Mm. Um, and it certainly didn't help matters when you have all those records that were there standing side by side, going all the length from the door that was supposed to go to the computer lab <laughs> in, the, in the library, uh, all the way toward the back door towards uh, health tech, which is your only saving grace for AC. And <laughs> I remember you talking about that. Um, I'm here to uh, confirm to you and to everyone else. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. I had to bring in a box fan and put it underneath yeah. just so that way I could stay somewhat cool. <laughs> but um, uh, I said, you know what? Uh, so you, you were the one who brought that in. <laughs> one of them because it stayed there because it was there I'm, I'm pretty sure we're talking about the main board or on the, the main board side. but yeah. then there was another one where okay. mine was moved to a side to the other side desk the one that was facing the wall towards the computer lab but um second week i went live and i said you know what i'll mix up and just again some goofy shtick i'll turn fm and make it an acronym i said okay uh fm uh, funky madness i guess <laughs> so i got a huge laugh out of everyone i said you know what i'm gonna keep it we're gonna keep this joke running and uh then week three came and i'm a junior at this time and still doing live and larry said hey uh do you want to be more involved and i said what do you mean more involved so, like more shows he said no do you want to like schedule everything and you know keep records and everything like that like how far do you want to get into this i'm like well it's pretty fun uh, not sitting at home doing nothing uh, yeah i'll do it sure he said okay uh your program director then i'm like oh i get a title <laughs> you get a student program promotion director. all right i'm like what does it pay he's like you're here i'm like mm, okay <laughs> um you put it on your resume <laughs> i i actually have that's what again got me into the sun or the colonials but um i thought it was just going to be a little bit that i was there with all the sports i did football basketball baseball but at the end of the football season towards like October, um, actually it wasn't October. I was told by the doctor, he said this very long winded word that started with an A, Adam Antonova. I probably doubt that's it. I said, okay, that sounds weird. What is it? He said, tumor. Hmm. Oh, definitely was not expecting that at what, My. 15, 16 years old. Uh, totally was not expecting that at all. So he said, well, it could stay, but it might cause issues. Or I can get it removed and have surgery. I'm like, I hate needles. <laughs> hate needles. I'm like, well, it sounds bad. Why don't we just remove it? I said, okay. So November, probably November, get that removed. Um, little complications there. So the tumor that I had was actually embedded in um, in the nerves that I have in my foot, just on the top of the foot right here. Okay. So... I know you can't all see. I'm going to try to describe this play-by-play -play experience here. If you put your hand out flat, your right hand, if you put it flat right where your uh, index finger is, probably about two inches towards your wrist from your knuckle, there is probably a three-inch incision that I have. They had to remove the tumor, but there was complications because it was embedded with the nerves. They had to cut into those nerves. So now I have permanent... I'm going to call it permanent drop foot. Uh, so I can't um, 
with the extended recovery time as well, the calf muscle also had to adjust a little bit. Mm. As w- it sounds very odd, but um, I can't push off my ankle the way I used to. Mm. So I don't run. I gallop. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. So it was, it was certainly something that really huh. dug into me. Sports guy, football, basketball, baseball, scrawny kid, but always loved running around and just kept me busy. And, and was the tumor benign or? I, I, I think it was benign. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what it was because otherwise it would have hurt uh, some M yeah. word um, or it, I would have heard the word cancer. I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure it was benign, mm-hmm. but it was going to cause issues because of where it was in my foot. Sure. Um, like keep rolling ankle and that's going to damage other ligaments, this, that. So got that removed, but had issues with the medication recovery um just a lot and i will be honest that whole month i wasn't the same kid going from hey you know you know you're going to be coming back doing sports things like that to it's probably not a good idea for you that's all i knew all my life that was that was a huge hit and definitely definitely hit me hard so then what i did was to get out of this funk again big props to shane uh he said well you can't play sports well why don't you talk about it and i thought about that just after sulking for hours kept thinking about what he said i said well i've gotten in trouble for watching espn until 3 (laughs) a.m i've gotten in trouble for missing homework assignments because i'm watching espn why not why not me all i have to do is talk and if i stutter i stutter if if something goes wrong hey something goes wrong what's the worst that could happen i'm already down on my luck it's going to be very hard for me to play sports again why not talk about it why not be with sports while being off the field off the court but also still being engaged and involved with sports. So I switched very slowly, but I switched what I was able to do my junior year. And I was able to cover more sports. Thankfully, by that time, I know Jim was struggling with the lack of Wi-Fi, but thankfully at that time (laughs) we actually had it. I had to ask for the password and I said, no, Uh, I'm not going to go on like Facebook or I love how that that interview has so many (laughs) spinoffs. There's just so much to it's a story of my life (laughs) with a last name like mine. It has to be. (laughs) Um, But no, I was able to uh, talk a lot about sports where then I was able to have people call in and they had opinions and like oh i feel like colin cowherd now what's what's it like doing colin uh you know people a lot and that was something that whenever i had a call-in program people would always get nervous because it would be about okay you have a host i'm the host you have a guest and they would be so nervous about that (laughs) because you never know what you're going to get uh what was it like for you i honestly brought in a bunch of my friends some players some just regular people i said hey, hey do you want to you want to talk about sports on the radio station i'll host it and they're like you can do that <laughs> you're allowed to do that you're allowed to do that yeah yeah uh, so <laughs> the oh, this was uh, i want to say this was probably 09 2010 
to half day. And the last class for me was, I think I might've saw you that day as well. Cause you were doing, was it good morning Pittsfield? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was probably at the tail end of your show. Um, I had a study hall or, or something like that in the library. I'd asked, Hey, can I excuse myself and go to the, the radio station? Teacher knew me at that point. Yeah, go on ahead. There's no issue. You've done your homework. You've done this, that it's more than fine. I go there and it's probably about, I want to say 9.30, 10 a.m., something like that. I call up Blair and said, hey, can I go live? said, sure, I don't care. <laughs> That's Larry. <laughs> so um, I go on air and bring in my friends right after school, after he's let out, and we're just talking sports. We're talking about you know, music in between as well. And what felt like maybe an hour or two, I look at the clock and it's 530. <laughs> I'm like, oh, um, so um, I text uh, my stepfather at that time, Greg, and I said, hey, uh, can you come pick us up? And he said, well, I'm doing this and that. Can I get you at like six or seven? I was like, okay. So we do it until about six or I say, well, I mean, you already did that much time. Uh, what's another hour and a half? <laughs> I, I wish I had that energy like I used to. <laughs> it's funny how that is, isn't it? You look back and you're like, how the, how do we oh, do that? <laughs> goodness. I, I have no clue. But we were able to do um, the longest continuous show in TBR's history right. at Taconic. <laughs> Just uh, me, my girlfriend at the time. A couple friends, my best friends, and we were just able to glide through it like it was nothing. And looking back, it still amazes me of how in the world did that happen? One, two, I even, I'm not sure if this was the same show, but I think we broke the the news that uh, Peyton Manning wasn't going to be returned to the Colts because of his neck fusion surgery and they thought he was done. Oops, <laughs> that was a well. Again, hindsight. So we were able to do a lot of sports, and probably something that it could not be done on WTBR today because you were given the leeway. Yeah, go ahead and oh, and that and that's the thing. Uh, it's interesting that there's there's always this sort of evolution of uh, you know of an entity like that. You know, because because so few had been involved in the organization there wasn't there was there was a very loose organization at that point very which gave a lot which gave a lot of freedom and so you build something up and you work at it to to turn it into something now that's different you'd never be able to do that today <laughs> so there's there's a little bit of an irony no there right <laughs> it was very lax but now um with that transferring over to pc tv sure. very very strict fcc rules with them they're down to the fine print and of course i mean sean bob and the rest of the guys they they know what they're doing so there's no issue with me on that but going to you know not knowing what radio is to three weeks later i'm the program director for students uh and we were able to do third thursdays remote we did uh two 26 hour straight uh shows uh, with Relay for Life in 2010 yeah. and 2011, yeah, uh, Larry brought a, a camper out back. We just, we just, I remember sp- that. Spent the night. That was really cool. I was very odd, kid, 17, 18 years old, and doing that. And the uh, the one in 2011, I did it probably a week or two after I graduated. 
still trying to be there, making sure that, you know, hey, you guys good? You guys need water? I can head back home and grab this and that. It, it felt natural at that time where I was able to, again, I, I couldn't be in sports, but if I'm talking about sports and if there's people around me and I'm working with them, whether it's radio or anything else, it's, hey, what do you guys need? Mm. What can I do to make sure that everything's running smooth? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's a leadership, but I would say it's, if you had to say it's leadership, I, I think it would be servant leadership, making sure that. Well, that's good. That is good around. leadership, to be honest with you. I mean, I think people have uh, conceptions that leadership is about organizing and, and, and telling people what to do. Well, great leadership is about how can I help you do what you are able to potentially do. In other words, uh, you know, uh, I think great leadership, most of it's done by example, but yeah, I mean, there's some organization that comes along with it, but great leaders make other people great. That's perfectly, perfectly worded. Yes. Um, but I was more of a, uh, what was, what is that movie? I, I feel terrible because I know this movie, uh, Tom Cruise, show me the money. <laughs> yeah. I'm more of a help me help you. Type guy, Jerry Maguire. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I felt so terrible not knowing it off the top That's of my head. Right. I don't think Tom is going to be really concerned. No. That's okay. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> what what ended up happening with with the uh, WTBR? Um, Larry comes to me and says, "Hey, I know you. How much you love uh, talking radio? Well, I have a guy here who does radio for the Colonials." And he's looking to have a partnership happen where we're able to cover his live games at home and you're able to do color. I'm like, how's that sound? I felt like a puppy with a bone in front of him, wide eyes. And you're serious. Can I go? Can I do it? Please. Can I do it? Please. Once I met um, the then uh, play by play, his name's Chad Cooper. Uh, Once I met him, it's, it didn't feel like an interview. I felt like we were just talking. Yeah. And we were just talking sports. He said, well, um, there's this one game, an exhibition game that's going to be happening in uh, Springfield. Um, I can bring it. Do you want to do it? I'm like, well, sure. I go there and I'm not sure if you've been to the ballpark at Forest Park. I have not. Well, actually, no, I shouldn't say that. You've been to Bright Lights, I'm sure, or Bright Nights. Well, no, no, no. I'm sorry. So that's where, is that where they play Western Mass baseball or is that a different stadium? I think it's a different, well, it's more of a ballpark than is a stadium. Gotcha. Okay. But, um, I think it's bright nights. Sure. If you go through there right before you get to like Dr. Seuss land, yeah. the ballpark's right there. If you go during the day though, we were underneath the field. The best way that I can put that there's grandstands that go left and right, kind of like Wakona park, but right there dead set in the middle, there's a step down and a walkway back to storage gated. Mm-hmm. We're in that little gate there. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you how nervous I was. I <laughs> barely spoke in what I did was I kept stuttering. I was so scared. I was scared to hell. I didn't know what I was doing, what I w- where I was supposed to talk or anything like that. So on the ride home, he said, I, I totally understand. You're scared. That's how it, that's how it goes. What you got to do, just let the game come to you. Talk about the game. You're not speaking to anyone but me. I'm like, okay, it's like the radio station. Mm-hmm. Once those first couple games happened, I talked too much. 
again, not allowing the come have the game come to me yet. I didn't know it was a learning process and a learning curve. Then when the colonials uh, fizzled out in 2011, I'm like, oh, well, uh, what I didn't realize was a dream job was a dream job. I did it. It's done. Well, that was fun. And then the manager, Jamie Keefe, he called me uh, April of 20, 2012. He said, hey, I'm calling you because I'm the manager uh, with the Pittsfield baseball team. They're called the Suns. I said, you're back. Okay. Um, is it the same? He said, no, this is it's college ball. These are college kids that are going to be doing it. I'm also the GM. I'm like, oh, good luck. <laughs> a GM who's also managing on the field is it's a lot to do at once. So he said, listen, I heard you. You got good stuff. I'm like, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I didn't realize that you listened. He said, no, I, I've been listening, especially on the road, listening to playback. Um, I won't tell you that you were good at the beginning of the year, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell you though, uh, once we hit that All Star break, ever since, man, you were you were you were right on everything. You were you were as good as we could have hoped. I'm hoping that you can do a little bit more when you're calling games for us. I said, what do you mean? Colonials are gone. I said, yeah, I want you. I want you on play by play. And heart immediately right to the stomach, and then the heart right to the throat. Just didn't know what to say. I'm like. You, you're sure, right? <laughs> he said, well, of course. Um, I'll listen to you. I, I like what you got. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. I'm just letting you know in advance, though. I hope you're okay with talking to yourself for about three, four hours a game. That's it. It's just you. That's it. It's just me. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> so, um, again, talking about looking back, I don't know how in the world I did it. The just going up the steps uh getting to the press box the first year was scary enough I'm afraid of heights and going up that small rigid ladder you got shaky leg syndrome the whole way up just not sure where your foot is placed in there on the wooden panel getting up to the hot steamy metal press box that's practically a closet if you will. <laughs> it'll fit maybe five six people up there uh and then to have it solo and all you're doing just calling games and you're on the radio and it, it felt surreal in the moment. And the the first game that we had, I remember there was a, there's a bases clearing triple. I have it somewhere. Um, our first baseman who's a two way player pitcher. It's a lefty. His name's Tito Marrero. The bases were loaded in the, just after the uh, seventh inning stretch. He hits it to the deepest part of the ballpark, power alley, uh, right underneath the sign, strike out tobacco in right center field, hits it two hops to the wall to right center, 403. I remember that call. I can't mimic it. I can't speak it, but I sounded like <laughs> I sounded like I belonged at the horse track. <laughs> I remember just speed throwing it. Here comes a runner over on third, rounding second. Now it's going to be this guy. He's headed around third now, and the guy that's the batter, he's actually heading around second now. All three runs are going to score. It was, I, I, I couldn't imitate that ever again. I have it saved somewhere deep into a, a backup laptop that I have. But afterwards, <laughs> after I closed the game out and we closed the broadcast, I thought, oh, my God. 
if I can do calls like that, I don't have to, I don't have to worry about anything. I'm, I'm golden. I felt after that moment, not even the sky was the limit. I thought I was able to do everything left, right, and center and have, well, at that point, I had the, it really had a lot of ego on that. Then I bumped myself down a few pegs the next game, just completely butchering pronunciations after hearing them. So again, that's what really I learned to slow down, let the game come to you. Again, since 2011, halfway through, I was doing an inning, two innings, five innings, a play-by-play, thanks to Chad. And then after 2012, I'm running the show, and I've been doing it since 2012 solo as a play-by-play. But then in 2013, we started bringing people in for coaching and teaching. And Hmm. that is a lot where a gentleman by the name of Andrew Belargin, he was a freshman in high school, and he did it for about four or five years. So coaching and teaching as far as uh, a secondary person in there. So like being mentored in there on the air or? Yeah, where I was able to have him as color and I was doing play by play. And it seemed like it was a very quick turnaround going from someone who was being mentored to now the mentor and allowing people to get out of their comfort zone and me teaching others. I had to take my own advice. And I realized thing from a different perspective, I got more into the role of mentoring and criticizing people constructively. This is what you should be doing. Then taking my own advice from that as well, because listening back to myself and things like that, I didn't want to do, but hearing others absorbing what they're doing, what they're saying, how they're doing it. And then saying, I think it would sound better if you do this. And they take that and they work with it. And they're getting better at it. It felt very, I guess though you could call it like time was twisting itself a little bit where I'm able to tell people some criticism, what they should do better. They do get better out of it. I'm like, I can, I can reinforces it also for yourself. And I can, I can use this Hmm. from a different vantage point where I'm able to help out others. So as the seasons, as the years, as all of them go by, I find myself taking a further step back, further taking onto this mentor role where uh, for the 2021 season, uh, one of them became a uh, student information director at a college that they were going to and someone else got into a graduate program at Syracuse. And they keep asking me for assistance and help like, hey, you have a certain way of doing this. Can you teach me so I can further utilize that and so i can grow i said absolutely of course that's what i'm here for when i heard myself say that last year it really hit home to me that teaching mentoring was something that i enjoyed more and that's something that i i'm doing right now with our away radio his name's jacob munch and where he's at from where i was that kid's got a brighter future than i have and to be doing that for as many years as I have, it's it's beyond words of saying it's just joyful. It's there's a certain word I, I guess I could use, and that's fulfilling. But just to see Jacob come into his own, to see Zach Bianco, who is our home color, 
color guy, he's a freshman in college going into his sophomore year. He's got a speech impediment. And going from how Shane was able to help me out at the beginning to really coming full circle, just it, it really hits home. It seems to me that maybe there's a lot of growth happening in that whole situation. Here we are uh, with a Pittsfield Suns team with guys who, in many cases, are playing with wooden bats for the first time in, right. in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of potential and there's a lot of growth. So you see that. You see the evolution of these players throughout the year. You see the changes. Uh, some of them are are probably thriving and, and getting to the next level. Others may, you know, facing disappointment and trying to uh, bust through that. Um, and then, and then you have uh, the gentlemen, mostly men, uh, that you're mentoring uh, in in the booth. Um, it's got to be fun every summer going through that. And take me to the team. What is it like? interacting because I assume that you have to know the players pretty well. Um, clearly you're kind of, I don't know if you're riding on the bus with them um, and, and uh, traveling with them, uh, but no, you're not out there throwing the ball around. You're not in a uniform, but you're with that team quite a bit. What's it like? When I was a kid doing it, because we've been some on the road, most at home, but going into the clubhouse, it's been a very different transition from when I first started to what it, what I am now. 18, 19 year old kid who is looking at, you know, guys that are yeah. bigger, older, stronger. Yeah, the colonials, that was a different that was intimidating. Different. Those were those were real men. I mean, those were yeah. men men. <laughs> those are that's that's a little bit different than the the college kids. When when I first when I first went there, I was thinking, okay, these guys could be the next. Well, I have a whole list here. Jamie Moyer, Greg Maddox, sure. Rafael Palmero, Joe Girardi. They all played at Wakona Park. Oh, yeah. I saw most of those guys play. <laughs> the, the, the one that hit a little bit closer to home for me was uh, Matt Adams, who used to play in the Cardinals. Um, he was a Pittsfield Duke. Mm. And yeah. that was a, the closest one for me. Yeah. But now you have, uh, from 2013, you have Matt Gage, who just broke into the majors. When he was a pitcher for us, Caden Trenkle, he just got drafted within the, I think it was the ninth round, something like that, this year. And he was with the team in about 2018, 2019 to just to just to feel that okay, these guys are real ball players. What I can do is I can say, hey, you know, what again, what can I do for you? Um, what do you want to talk about? If I screw up, if you screw up, guess what? I have a I have a delete button that I can use on my recording machine and we can play it back. If it sucks, it sucks. We can delete and just start over. At the end of the day, it's for both of our growth. And I give them a heads up because again, they're not they're not used to it. They're not used to press. I could say which is it? interesting because I would think, Billy, that these guys were the guys wherever they came from. You know, they, they played for a high school team. Right. They were most definitely the best player, uh, most likely from their team, if not maybe second best player. And the, and the, and the first <laughs> one is playing for the Cape Cod League instead of uh, you know this futures league or something like that. No, very true. But you would think that they would have some bit of media training at that point, not training per se, but just the experience of that and knowing that you got to be able to put one word in front of the other as far as that goes. Some, but, but, but no, I mean, and so this is part of the growth. It is part of the growth. Some of them, they will, 
<laughs> one question will take three minutes to answer. <laughs> Some three seconds. It's you're you're gonna get them. And my critique to them has been: listen, I understand you're nervous. So am I. I was. Don't be you. At the end of the day, if I need to ask longer questions for their shorter answers to compensate, so be it. It's all a matter of understanding what's next for you. Should you develop the way that you want to and you get to that next level? There is going to be media questions. Some of them, like a five-game losing streak, I will ask. I I will say in advance. Listen, I'm going to ask about this. Just want to let you know. Just try to give your complete, honest answer. Or something that you feel comfortable with. If they just say, Man, "I'm not seeing the, I'm not seeing the the ball that well," um, I'm looking forward to doing this. Again, it's all about growth. At the end of the day, you're going to have slums. Again, we're all human. But to go into the clubhouse, especially the past past number of years, where I'm going to all of them and just checking in with them, and say, "Hey, man, you're doing all right," or j- just seeing the amounts of players as many as i have seen for them to come to you and ask questions is it seems odd because i i go back to when i first started just a skinny snot-nosed kid who didn't know what he was doing to now now answering questions for for players and tell them hey if you're in the infield especially at third base maybe you want to come up a bit you know how wakona park is with how wet it gets the irrigation of the grass is very thick. With it being thick, if it's a ground ball, that ball's going to get a lot of friction, which means it's going to slow down, especially if there's a bunt. What you need to do is you need to play further up than what you're used to here to see them. And they say, okay, thanks for that. <laughs> and then at the end of the game... Wait, isn't the coach supposed to be telling him that? <laughs> <laughs> right. But... <laughs> Yeah, the answer is yes. It's I, I hope you're not yes. like one of those, uh, you know, dads of the outfield of a little league game. Hey, Jimmy, you got to move in a little bit. Isn't the coach supposed to tell you that? No, just kidding. I'm just messing with I, Billy. I, 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 I do have that dad vibe to me now, <laughs> considering I do have a two year old. No, that that does make a lot of sense. But when they're coming to me after the game and saying, "Man, I got I got to thank you so much. You, you really helped me out on that play." I said, "Which one? <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't remember. There's a lot of plays." You know, the one where he had a charge in and barehanded, I played two feet up. If I didn't, he would have been in and run would have scored. I'm like, okay. And then to see them all say, hey, Billy, what's up? And just the the big change from year to year. And I'm just glad to have gained the respect of all the players from this year to past. Really, right now, it's uh, Tim Cianciola, who was one of our two aces. He pitched... um, he pitched the game a couple weeks back about a month ago and i told him hey uh, i know the last time there was a, a couple pitches that were you shook off and then you know they got a hit i would say this your your catcher is with you trust him a little bit more i'm not saying don't shake him off i'm saying look into what he's doing a little bit more in detail you're you're slow at the plate or slow at the uh slow at the mound you have a slow methodical windup use that to your advantage with runners on base Strikes out 12. That's our record at Wakona Park since 2012. Mm. He comes to me and says, I can't thank you enough. <laughs> You're the power behind the throne. No. I love it. <laughs> that's good stuff, though. I mean, that's that's really good stuff. I, I will never say I'm a power behind anything. Come on, my man. I'm always... I can that's say good, that... But that, that... I mean, that's not, you know, baloney. That's, that's good stuff. So... um you know, you've really uh, listen when you when you watch 
baseball, especially when you're watching the team and, and it's that team. Anybody can watch baseball games. I could watch the Yankees, the Red Sox. Right. And, and, and they everybody. can watch the team. But the players. But when you see those players and their tendencies and their decisions, because then you can start seeing how they think, especially when you're a pitcher, because the pitcher is, you know, a human being and, you know, likes certain pitches and, you know, you get, you know, three balls and two strikes and, you know, yo, he's probably going to throw a fastball or, or what have you, but you can see the go-to. And so when the guy is shaking off the, the catcher for whatever reason, you know, he wants to go to his, his go-to, the one that he feels, because every, every pitcher feels a little bit more comfortable with some pitches as opposed to others. Mm-hmm. But then tr- that trust factor in the catcher, what you're talking about, um, knowing that, no, no, you know, you, if you off speed this guy, you, you can get him right now if, it, if you put it in the right spot. So um, all that stuff, when you follow the team, just like a catcher follows a pitcher, you know, just like a shortstop is, is following things, like you're seeing every single pitch, every decision that is made, every time you're like, oh, this guy is, uh, you know, uh, two balls, two strikes, high fastball. We're toast right here because you know he's going to swing at it and miss. You know, you know those things, and um, so that that's that's valuable. I will say this: um, doing what I've been doing and getting the opportunity to do what I do now for this many years. First, I'm grateful beyond beyond words. Grateful that I've been able to do it this long. But I do, I do have to say the casual experience for me, it's gone. Hmm. Whether it's football, baseball, basketball, cricket, tennis, golf, any sort of sport, if I'm watching it, cannot look at casually anymore. I have to analyze. The way that I was able to grow was in any situation, I always have to put that in the back of my mind and say, okay, what needs to happen is this whether I'm saying it out loud or not, I find myself. I mean, you'd, you'd actually be, a, you, you'd, you'd probably be a great manager because here's the thing. I, in, in when you're really close to a situation, it's hard to step outside of yourself, you know, whether you're the pitcher or the catcher and you, and those are the, and those are the two guys that are really, you know, important on when you're on the defensive side, when you're offensive, obviously that every hitter has their whole, framework and everything and what to do offensively. But I I think a great manager is one who can step outside the game and then analyze from the outside in that sense, because when you're a player, you're playing, but when you're managing, and so I think, you know, Hey, you should coach, you should manage sometime. I'm certainly not taking Kevin Donati's job anytime. No, 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 no. (laughs) Well, I think that that kind of mind is is really effective. I, you wouldn't be the first announcer to go to into coaching. I know there's an example of that somewhere. We're going to have to go to good old Google <laughs> University for that. <laughs> You're a dad now. I'm a dad now. Tell me about that. So... <laughs> Uh, get married in the middle of the season. Miss my first ever Pittsfield Suns game. I miss it. I mean, I'm still at the ballpark after I get married. I go on the field after the first pitch, but I'm announced onto the field 
So my wife and I can have a couple wedding photos before the game. Uh, it was June 22nd, 2019. Uh, Suns were facing off against the Nashua Silver Knights. That was that was beyond anything I was expecting. Of course, the wedding was everything I dreamed of more. And I'm not being cliche when I say that. I mean that truly from the bottom of my heart. To see the crowd do that and just cheer and clap and of course the opposing team they were clapping hooting and hollering everything like that because pre-game i also go to every team and said hey this is our lineup card this is what's going on what can i do for you and i say that didn't mention this by the way not only do i call the games not only do i produce the games i officiate that game as the official score on top of <laughs> on top of all of that, I also do auditing for the league. And I've been doing that since 2020. What what is an auditor for the league? Do? Auditor goes over every single game sheet that comes into our system. I audit and clear every error possible. Let's say if uh someone uh someone advanced by an error and is erroneously put in as a hit or some things like that, I can review the tape and I'm able to do that. Or um, if the count was one and two, it's supposed to be two and one. I do that. If it was the worst one I've gotten, if there is an RBI strikeout with no one on base, I'm the guy to fix that. There has been those instances. Wait, okay. Like, okay. Hold on. I was trying to make that quick. Hold on. An RBI strikeout with no one on base. That means there was a run that was added in on a non-bat. How does that happen? Whether it's misclick, whether it oh, is... Oh, okay, okay. It was an error. It was an error in the reporting. Yep, <laughs> score sheet error. If, there, if some people uh, are missing, runs batted in. If someone... This just happened today. If someone bunted for a sacrifice and they ruled it as a regular ground out, that goes against their on-base percentage. It goes on again. No, I get that. I, I mean, I was, I was literally just trying to think of a scenario where it was a... Uh, a no hit, no one on base RBI, um, which it could be a like a drop strikeout, and then the guy overthrows first base, and then the guy runs home. Maybe that would be. I thought of everything. The scenario. <laughs> I thought of everything. I'm like, no, this does not look right. <laughs> so I've been doing that since 2020, but in 2019, I was uh, official scoring. I was producing. I was teaching as play by play, and had color commentators all at the same time. So I allowed my color commentators uh, at that time, I think it was uh, Colin and Steve, Steve O'Brien, Colin Quinn. uh, I allowed them to do the game solo. Well, solo as without me as a duo. Um, The ovation that I got was, I thought it was unnecessary. I just didn't realize I had that much support. And then that brings it to this year. Where, and I apologize if I'm stopping here, it's been a little bit more of a personal year for me. With having a wedding, we stalled out our honeymoon so I can finish out the season. Thank you for that, Jen. (laughs) We stalled out the honeymoon to the end of August. We go to, we plan out uh, Nassau Island in the Bahamas for a week. And then we're going to jump to Jamaica for a week. 
Hurricane Dorian hits. Oops. <laughs> Perfect planning on my part. Perfect time to go right in the middle of hurricane season. <laughs> we have to jump ship. I leave a day early, go to Orlando, which is hilarious because that's where I proposed. Was in Orlando, right in Disneyland. So to have that come first full circle, I thought that was a nice little sure. way of karma saying, okay, here's your one comeuppance, if you will. Or this is one way that you're able to get some good karma back. We go to Jamaica. And then on the way home, she's sick. After riding on, I'm not sure what it was. There, there was these bikes that you can ride that you can make a smoothie out of. I think like the Real Housewives did it. Wait, wait. It's it's a bike that you ride. A bike? And, and, you and it mix, makes a smoothie? You mix your own <laughs> alcoholic smoothie. Wait, what? It, wait a minute. So you're riding a bike. The bike makes the smoothie? Yeah. the It doesn't have a chain attached to it. Instead, it has the spinner oh, on the okay. inside. Oh, okay. So you're riding a bike and making your own alcoholic smoothie. Okay. She has it. We're about to head to the airport. Maybe two hours later, she gets sick on the way to the airport. From the smoothie? From the smoothie. So okay. we get home. And Who then, would have thought that you would ever get sick from a smoothie made by a bike? <laughs> I just, I, you know, I never... <laughs> it's a, it's it's a healthy workout but apparently it wasn't a healthy drink so we get home and a week later she's still not feeling well she says honey i said what might have to go get a pregnancy test i, I look at her so it wasn't a smoothie it wasn't a smoothie it wasn't smoothie i look, was fine i look her dead in the eyes and i say are you saying what i think you're saying she said yes we get four <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, okay, well, sometimes they're inaccurate. So we grabbed four. Um, and this is on um, September 11th, too. So we had a day of of memorizing a lot uh, back from when we were kids. When that happened, we were in school at that time. Test one, two, three, four, five minutes apart, all show up positive. And we're just talking like, oh, it's you know it's probably it's probably nothing it's probably negative or it's probably that yeah. smoothie that I had it probably yeah. had like bad fruit in it. I mean you know how that happens, right? I mean you know you know how you get a positive <laughs> test, right? Okay, so it just it, it doesn't. <laughs> it'll, so it only takes one. Time. <laughs> it only takes. One. So we, she when she sees it, just instantly my I, I felt you know I, I had that that fantastic feeling like I was in my own state of euphoria. She was so, so happy. She said, we need to leave right now. <laughs> We're going to tell my parents. Oh, that's nice. So um, we go, her mother's asleep on the couch. Mom, I need to wake you up. <laughs> oh, oh, what? She's asleep on the couch because she works overnights. I need you to look at this. She looks at the stick, all glazed eyes. She looks at it. Oh, you're pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> yes, mom, I'm pregnant. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Her father, who's uh who's uh, uh, a garbage man, he works very early mornings. He's a strong, strong man for a man of short stature. Um we we didn't tell him until maybe the day after. Told my parents and said, Oh, you know, we had to go through customs. I brought in a coconut thinking we could bring it in. Customs took it. But we did take this on the way and Showed her the showed her the positive test and it was positive. When that happened, then throughout the pregnancy for her, there were two issues. One, 
my wife's very tiny. She's four foot 11. And when she found out she was pregnant, she was 104 pounds. And probably before that, she was 95. She's a very tiny woman. A couple of complications happened because our son decided to be very active. <laughs> what ended up happening was, of course, COVID hit. So a month before I'm supposed to go on paternity leave, I get not a layoff. What was it? The furlough, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. So that happens. So for your day job, yeah. for a day job, just yeah. trying to find any sort of work with like delivering pizzas or retail or anything anything of the sort to get it going where we're able to still have a sustainable income. Then she tells me that she's in pain, you know, normal stuff, but she says, this doesn't, this doesn't feel right. She felt off when she was going into labor. We go to the hospital, of course, our OB on vacation. That was one thing. Two, we're in the middle of a tornado warning on May 15th of 2020. So that was fun. And a third, she had a bunch of tests on and had to have emergency surgery. Mm. He was too active as a baby. And we found out one of his things he doesn't like, he doesn't like having his feet covered. He's going to be a, he's not going to be a shoeby. He's going to have sandals or just bare feet and that's it. So he was wrestling uh, a lot and wrestled the umbilical cord. Not only did he wrestle it around his neck, first, he wrestled himself into basically putting the rope around his neck, and then he tied a nice little bow tie into it. Mm. So he had a, I think it was called a true knot. Then that slid up all the way, putting a ton of pressure. He's got a very small, small mark underneath his neck. The doctor he was all he was talking about was his woodworking his side hobby like nothing everything was fine and i can't thank him enough for that because i was i was having every sort of emotion that you can ever think of Mm. have the she has the surgery i'm in there with her first thing i thought of wow the the first time i laid eyes on him looked just like her looked just just like her then a couple more complications happened, but the good news is they were able to keep it down to the point where he was actually able to be okay. The main issue was the knots, but with it being in a knot and around his neck, he didn't have a lot of nutrients. So they had to monitor him a little bit longer than they needed to. He didn't take too well to breastfeeding. But once we got home that first night, didn't sleep. But the second day, I felt all the weight off my shoulders. How long were you in the hospital before that? Three, four days. Yeah. Okay. Something like that. It must have been four or five, probably. And that's very exhausting. I mean, that's, especially that, you know, even the, if you're there one night, it's exhausting. It didn't help matters now. that she was very, very distraught already with COVID. So masks on top of everything, which yeah. was something foreign to us at the time. Yeah, to have a newborn come to a world where a pandemic, worried about the safety and well-being of our kid who's undersized, height, weight, developmental, everything. Mm. Scary, scary to everyone. 
after the the second night everything seemed a little bit better for us there wasn't as much issues he was taking a lot better seemed really just coming into his own a couple days old so thankfully that was the main the main piece that we had to get out of what's your son's name his name is brock um middle name is joshua which is my mother-in-law's boy name if they ever had a boy that way we were able to do brock something we just always loved b brock billy then joshua j jen able to tie my name into it unfortunately he had to tie in my last name into a birth that really didn't fit with everything going on with him everything that happened after that there was moments just as anyone else where you're able to question am i doing this okay am i doing that okay those always came up the main thing i had to focus on was jen at the time as well as brock the biggest reason of course with anything happening like that you're always gonna have postpartum i will admit i had very very similar issues with my own depression and making sure that i was able to be there for my son make sure he's okay make sure she's okay kept going back to i need to make sure everyone else is okay i'm not saying it's a detriment that i did that but i do think it's a very real real problem that i had where i was focusing on everyone else rather than myself i still struggle with that a bit but i also realized that to make sure other people are okay is okay but I also have to check in with myself, like, hey, am I okay? Yeah. Am I doing these things right? When it came to a lot of those questions and doubts and unsuredness, that had a lot to play into this season as well. Because with everything going on, everyone's coming out of the pandemic and everything's being better, to see my son go back on track, now he's in a very, very healthy percentile from where he was it's miraculous but then i look i look and say should i be doing this for the betterment of me or others who does this benefit more me or others am i okay doing this with someone else doing that and i've had my doubts i've i've had a lot of doubts this year as well with okay am i doing this enough am i doing that enough or given an impossible situation of Wakona Park, but still fight through and focus on others and make sure that they're doing okay, but also make sure you're doing okay. I've been having many, many conversations. Should I take a step back? Should I put up the headphones, so to speak, or drop the mic? <laughs> I guess would be the more appropriate phrasing. <laughs> um, and then uh, a couple of weeks back, on the phone with uh, Howard Herman, who's been there for years with the Eagle. Sure. And a dad. Dad himself. We get to talk, and it's his, uh, his day off. And we're going over a timeline and adding things up. It's the 10th anniversary game that's going to be happening for the Pittsfield Suns, their, their celebration of it. And I'm doing the math, and I have to, I have to look back and... I I couldn't have made this up with the timing and everything. I'm not sure if <laughs> Sander pulled one on me or anything like that, but I realized between 
the many all-star games that I've done, postseason games that I've done, road games, home games. I didn't realize that I surpassed Bob Shade for being the longest broadcaster in Wakona Park history. Hmm. Did not realize that. And it was my 300th broadcast. Wow. All the same day. Congratulations. Thanks. I really, really appreciate that. Um, and that appreciation goes towards um, goes towards other people as well. Um, I got asked to throw out the first pitch. It's a 10th anniversary, and no one has been there longer, longer than I have been from GMs to staff. It just it seems like it was not yesterday no way it seems like it was maybe last year <laughs> it's amazing how it's like it feels forever ago but then it feels like yesterday all at the same time it's really a, a strange phenomenon because when you love something it it can be like that it can just be like wow that was a blank and something i wasn't expecting either um first game i've ever missed was about seven years in and it's of course my wedding yeah, it's a good excuse to miss work. <laughs> I think so. I think so. We'll give you a pass on that one. <laughs> um, and then we're facing off against the exact same team, <laughs> the mm-hmm. Nashville Silver Knights. I get asked to throw out the ceremonial uh, first pitch. I'm like, okay, um, I guess, sure. Um, I throw it there. I, I throw a pretty mean 50 footer. <laughs> 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 I will say it's over the plate. So if I'm playing cricket, I'm fine. <laughs> To to hear my name over the public address announcer who is blasting that sound to everyone that's in attendance, to having my wife, to have my son, just to go out there was beyond anything that was normal to me. I'm behind the scenes. I'm not on the field. It brought me back to what I used to have, but it also brought me closer, realizing that I have everyone clapping, cheering. I'm a radio guy. I don't interact with people like anyone else. I'm usually either stuck alone in a booth or I'm stuck with two other people, not four or five, 600 people pregame to have that ovation. It was, uh, I think, overwhelming would have to be the word. Yeah. To my son on the field, just just running around, <laughs> he ran in front of me. I wanted to make sure that I had a clean, clean pathway. But to have them with me, and then to go on air, and all of a sudden, like I'm being told by the people that I'm mentoring, <laughs> they're they're refusing to have me come back on. The reason why is because they need to introduce me, <laughs> just as I was introduced onto the field. At first, I thought, well, <laughs> damn it, this is my broadcast. <laughs> I'm the one who, who says what goes and what doesn't. And they refused to let me back in. They had to wait, or I had to wait. And then throughout the entire game, just, just going about the, the past, the present, and the very hopeful future, sent a lot of a lot of memories down memory lane with going back to Kenneth Donati, his inside the park grand slam, which is the only one in futures league history to have all the all-star games that we've done to 
some roasting that I've done with uh, one of my interns who was confused what we went to like Denny's or something. He was confused what dinner bread was because we were on the road to uh, like um, Campanelli Stadium in Brockton, Mass. Yeah. It was just there yesterday as well. Bringing back all these memories and just talking about old times, new times, what's looking forward. It's a lot to understand the magnitude of the support that I was able to gain from other people who I would not have thought any realm of any possibility that they listen and say, you do a phenomenal job. We've always listened to you back when you were on TBR, when you were doing your, uh, you guys were doing your own like broadcasting online and now you're back with TBR. I can't tell you how much it means to me that I get to listen to you in the car again. I'm like, again, said, yeah, I've been, I've been listening since 2014, 2015, 16, since, since you started, I didn't realize how far reach I had, but it's, it's, it was overwhelming to see that, especially after the game, when people are coming up to me and saying, man, you always do a phenomenal job, this or that, or the occasional, man, I wish you would have done this. I said, well, I probably can't say that on the airways. <laughs> it really pulled me back in because I was thinking about just calling it and saying, you know, this will be the last year. But to see that support and to, to see how many people that I'm able to touch to, to, able, to make Abel understand what's going on, how quirky of a guy I am. Like I've had very wacky wild calls and I allow the game to come to me and put not necessarily my own spin on it, but make it palatable for everyone. Make it sometimes comical um, collision out in uh, left center field a couple of years back. <laughs> I had the, uh, the stupidity I'll say um, after realizing both of them were okay. I said, uh, one man came over uh, from left field, slid into the center fielder, and bowled him over like 10 pin on league night. Some wacky, wild, unusual calls. I've had people say that they love it. I've had some people say that they they just enjoy that we're able to talk as if it's nothing. It's not a broadcast, but we're able to detail it as much as we can while making it our own, like they're talking like we're talking to them. I just didn't realize how much of an impact that that has had, or I'm able to help others while also having people listen in and enjoy themselves. I didn't realize the magnitude of how far reaching that was and definitely did not see myself as the guy or my wife likes to call it the mayor of Okona Park. <laughs> and I think, yeah, you realize it when uh, you start to sit back and, and maybe um, understand the impact and it's there. The question comes in then as the father and, and you naturally have these questions and it, and it happens to many people uh, who do things that they love that are sort of the, the side gig as it were. It's not necessarily the thing that pays the mortgage, but it's the thing that you love. And I've had a little bit of this in my uh, past and I've had, you know, sort of the, the pressures of fatherhood to 
think twice, oh, well, maybe you shouldn't be doing this anymore because you're a father and you have to be responsible and this is more time that you're taking away from your kids or so on and so forth. That's very common. What I would say to that is that it's my experience now. I've been a father for a little while now, um, (laughs) uh, nine years, and and there's three of them. As they start to get older, and they look at what I've done, uh, what I continue to do today, is that kids want to see their father doing what they love. Kids want to see their father doing what he loves. And I will tell you this, that as your son grows up, he's going to want to see you doing exactly what you love. And there will be memories whether he, you know, we could kids start getting memories. You know, he's young, okay. So you know, he may not remember what happens when he's two years old. He may have some glimpses and images, but as those years go on, he will know Wakona Park. He'll see that green grass, and he'll think about being in that booth because he'll undoubtedly be sitting in that booth with you someday. <laughs> and you know, those are going to be some of the greatest memories that he will ever have. I guarantee it. And maybe one day he'll be riding on the bus with you, uh, you know, going to those, uh, those games. So that's what I would say. So, you know, it, it, it's natural, especially as a nurturer and you are a nurturer that, you know, you kind of struggle with that. Like, am I giving enough or am I being selfish, you know, and this sort of thing? Um, I get it. Um, but that's what I would tell you. Every son wants to see their dad, doing what their dad loves. And uh, so keep doing it, man. <laughs> that's my, <laughs> that's my uh, humble advice. The, the biggest, by far biggest supporter is someone who calls me, well, progression, a no fun summer boyfriend, fiance, <laughs> and now husband. Um, and I, yeah. I really... Uh, again cliche aside really not possible whatsoever without the support of jen who uh i met many years back then reconnected through the sons and then from there blossomed into a a friendship and then a very seamless relationship it seems like when we were friends we were in a relationship um not even together just saying i love you because we knew we loved each other but I had my own issues where relationship was not it for me and for her was not right for her, but it was very seamless for us to be in a relationship when we got into that. And then from there, it's cliche friends that are in a relationship, friends that are engaged to be married. And now, and when you're a true friend, <laughs> you know what the other, what makes the other person tick. And, you know, you know that about her and clearly she entered into this knowing about who you are and that's important. She, she ribs on me just because she knows it's true. But once mid August hits and right before birthday, we'll go on vacation, hopefully for me, depending on work, but she's definitely going to be going on vacation. Something she desperately needs because of the pandemic with everything happened and the fact that she was pregnant, she had to, she had to uh, basically quit her job 
and then coming back from that with lack of childcare because it's a very gray area right now with kids. Couldn't really have Brock in daycare with how he was when he was first starting out to where he is sure. now. I would be okay with that. Just I'm I'm hoping we can get him uh, vaccinated as soon as possible. He has everything else, but um, just finding either childcare, or, uh, daycares. It, it wasn't going to be for Brock, and the main reason for that was because of uh, his um, early develop developmental issues, whether sure. it's immunocompromisation or whether it's you know just being around kids is something that he's been lacking. But as the past couple months and years have gone by, we've been able to introduce him more into people. So he's been getting better with the socializing, but really could not have done it without the un, 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 unwilling, <laughs> no, definitely willing, uh, support that she has really given both me as well as Brock. And if I'm at home, I'll, I'll do what I can. Um, I will... I am on daddy diaper duty. I get that wholeheartedly. I am going to be on making bottles, juice, or any, anything of the sorts, as long as I'm there to support her as much as she has supported me. I, I get that sometimes I'm exhausted after at the worst of it. When I was younger to what it is now, I was working at most five jobs and working five five jobs five at once so my um, gosh it was uh, weekend show with wbec uh wsbs and gb uh working at the main source job i have now djang and then also pittsfield sons having all five of those the worst of it was 100 hour work weeks now i totally understand i have to scale back I have to be there. So it is just these two right now. That is sure. it. I will not take anything more. There is making money and doing everything like that, but there's no quality of life without being there for your kid, being there for your wife. So a, a balancing act, a going back to uh, Tariq, a life in balance work and just regular at home life. You have to have a balance. It's something that I've realized a lot this year, whether it's from being at home and realizing that, you know, I'm missing a lot of these moments. Uh, there's a lot where he doesn't see me to, uh, okay, well, we also need this. We need that. Delegating, it's normal for any dad and I get that, but I'm just extremely thankful that Jen has been unwavering in the support if there's anything that comes up she she's already on and said nope you're fine because she knows you she knows you and that's a huge uh, piece of the puzzle for a great partner a lot of people don't learn that until <laughs> maybe they're <laughs> maybe a little too <laughs> until late. they're yeah they're they, you know they go through one or two marriages uh, before uh figuring that out and truly knowing that that is uh, a critical piece and like so you got it and um you know, I think that's uh, a good sign uh, for you know your future, and you know, and and being a great dad, and and and, and I'm very serious. Like the kids want to see their dad doing what they love, and um, and I think that that's that's going to be a piece of Brock's future. I think he's he's going to 
be at those games. And that's going to be a piece of him growing up. Um, and, uh, God, uh, you know, any, ch- any child would love to have that experience. Um, I mean, baseball, it's, it's a great thing. Well, the thing for him now, just as, as many other kids, ball ball <laughs> what's that what's right. that and just right. seeing everyone run around he wants to run around yeah he wants to be the infield he wants to be chasing the balls yeah. that's great i i can already i can already envision age. i can already see it like any father i just want what's best for him if sure. it's what i do good it's only great if it's what he wants to do at the end of the day he doesn't need to do things for me he needs to do things for himself and again as a father I'm there to support it 100% of the way. Nothing like a night at the ballpark. The kids love it. The kids love it. And I, I'll tell you, um, that's one of the wonderful things about Wilcona Park is that even with the grandstand not in use right now, that's not where the kids want to be anyway. No. Um, they want to be in right field, throwing the ball around. They want to get a ball <laughs> that's like gold uh, to them. And there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun there. So, you know, the kids, I don't know, anywhere between kids between five and 12 uh, and, and, and older too. But I think that's sort of your prime time there. Uh, those kids are loving life at Wakona Park. And, and honestly, when they see those guys and they get an autograph, uh, it, <laughs> it may very well be Don Mattingly to them, by the way. That's, I'm dating myself. Um, but uh, it, it may as well be A-Rod uh, because those guys uh, are larger than life. To see their faces light up. And I will use a real-life scenario when Brockton comes to Pittsfield and you see uh, Pedro Martinez Jr., D'Angelo Ortiz, Manny Ramirez Jr., when you see all of those highlight names, even for uh, another one of my best friends, the entire family, diehard Yankees fans, asking Pedro Martinez for an autograph and yeah. a picture, honestly, I can't blame <laughs> him. And I've I've spoken with with uh, Pedro many, many, many times. I tell you, it doesn't seem like he has a Hall of Fame father. It seems like he's just a regular kid who is very laid back, very happy-go-lucky, and it's it, it's very nice to see that there's, especially at the ballpark, whether it's a high-profile name, son of a former MLB player, son of um, a Hall of Famer, such as D'Angelo Ortiz is now with his father, just getting inducted the other day, to to see them more of a personal end and. They just seem like themselves. They seem like, yeah, my father's, you know, a former MLB player, but that doesn't define me. I define me. That's how I want my son to be. Whether I am a like a phenomenal broadcaster or I'm an okay broadcaster like I am now, whatever he does, as long as he has pride of what he does, I am all for it, support 100% of the way. Whatever it may be. Did we miss anything, Billy? <laughs> Let's see. Grandstands. <laughs> no, they're they're staying the same way. I just hope they get a better press box. Um, <laughs> personal struggles. Um, personal achievements. I, I hope we talked enough about a personal achievements. I'm not one that really dwells on them that much. Um 
no i i really just um really the main thing i want out of this as well is just for people to fully understand that support that they've given me it's so 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 deep and it, again it's never an interaction where it's a b b a or anything like that it's more third party than anything and that's where i see it to to see the support that i've gotten from where i was to where i am now i didn't realize how well it was and how much people really just enjoy me something that i thought was just i was run of the mill or things like that but i still think that no matter what anyone says for for me to have that support at home at the ballpark for me to help others for me to make sure that what i'm doing is enough and not too much the balancing act it's again it's it's so hard to think about where i was then to where i am now but it again especially with this year i thought this was the last year for me i i thought i was just done whether it was either burnout or whether it was just me thinking okay this is all i have to give i'm not that great i can you know we can give it to someone else who will have a more promising future for people to come to me and say you help me out with this or you help me out with that whether it's on the field off the field it, fulfilling is really just the only one word that i can think of but there's so much so much more i want to say but for now that is the best way that i can put that is just how thankful i am that i was one given the opportunity two thankful and grateful that i'm still able to do it um very uh fulfilling that i'm able to help others and i again i'm, I'm not one to dwell on personal achievements but being the longest broadcaster in that ballpark's history never would have crossed my mind at 16 17 years old when i'm on a football field and i get hurt all stems back to that the first day of radio perfect face for radio just how everything leads from one point to another it's like going on the old dan fox road where there's a bunch of bumps and patches what man you might have the car breakdown which is something i felt like would happen but now it's as smooth as it's going to get and again i'm forever grateful for everyone and everything that has happened to me and how others have helped me help others that's all i can say about that billy madewell husband father mentor and teacher of other broadcasters, but the longest tenured play-by-play -play broadcaster in Wakona Park history. Congratulations on that, Billy, and we'll see you at the ballpark soon. I'll be seeing you. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the John Kroll Podcast on your platform of choice. Maybe it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify, whatever works for you. Also, I would like to hear from you on the people and the stories that you'd like to hear more of. Send me a note through Facebook Messenger, Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm easy to find and I'm easy to reach. I look forward to hearing from you. 
And if you'd like to support the podcast for less than a cup of coffee, and I'm not talking about the cost of a large latte at a fancy coffee shop, no, more like a McDonald's coffee, go into the description of this episode and scroll down to the Anchor Dot fm link it's right there just click it and you can see your options or log on to anchor.fm backslash john hyphen kroll backslash support again thank you for listening i'm john kroll talk to you soon mm-hmm.